I'll invite you to turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Last time I was with you, we were teaching a series on uh, spiritual gifts. And we want to pick up where we were. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. You'll notice as we, uh, as we comment almost every time that we read this, the word gifts is in italics, which means the translators added it to help us understand what's being spoken of. In uh, most cases, they do a real good job, but I think here they take something away from us because it leaves the impression in the King James translation that the only thing being spoken of are spiritual gifts or manifestations of the Spirit, and that's not true. In the original Greek, it's now concerning spirituals. The word spiritual is in the plural, brethren. I would not have you ignorant. That's a little blind to us until we understand that the word spirituals means things pertaining to and of the Holy Ghost. So everything he's talking about in the 12th chapter is uh, considered to be things pertaining to and of the Holy Ghost. And he talks about three things. He talks about manifestations of the Spirit. He talks about the body of Christ. And at the end of the chapter, he talks about ministry offices or ministry gifts. So he's talking about, inspired by the Holy Ghost, he's talking about how the Holy Ghost works in the church. Skip down with me to verse 4. Now, there are diversities of gifts. This word gifts is there. He's talking about manifestations of the Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it's the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit... Notice the manifestation of the Spirit is the way that there are diversities of gifts. Manifestation of the Spirit are the the ways that there are differences of administrations. And the manifestation of the Spirit are the the way of diversities of operations, which God works in its entirety, the entirety of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, at work in the church. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. I um, uh, I keep saying this. It's something the Lord keeps impressing upon me because in the body of Christ there's, um, well, there's just not a lot of people that follow the, the Scriptures specifically. There seems to be a lot of people that add things to what the Bible says and take away things that they don't like about what the Bible says and so forth. But the Holy Ghost is giving us the entirety of the ways that he works. It wouldn't make sense for the Holy Ghost to inspire Paul to write this letter to us, save it for hundreds and hundreds of years when the devil did everything that he could to destroy the written word of God and leave out part of what he does in the church. Paul may not have known what his letters would do and the the scope that they would encompass, but the Holy Ghost did. It's part of God's plan. So the Holy Ghost is telling us, this is it. This is the way that I work. Not part of the way that I work. Not some of the way that I work. This is it. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. These nine manifestations of the Spirit are the only ways that the Holy Ghost will work. So anything else that happens in or out of church services... That somebody claims is God that doesn't fit this list of nine can't be God. Now, I don't think that there's not some some leeway for God to work. Because if nothing else, the Bible says in, uh, what is it, verse 6, there are diversities of operations. In other words, that means there are different ways that these things can work, but it's still the same thing. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Then he gives us the list of nine. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith or special faith, as the Amplified says, by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healings by the same Spirit. In the original Greek, gifts and healings are both in the plural every time that they're used. Now, there are three times in this chapter that gifts or healings are spoken of, and only once does it mention gifts and healings in the plural, but in the Greek, the original Greek text, they're always in the plural. To another, the gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, diverse or different kinds of tongues. Diverse is added by the translators to show us that there are different kinds of tongues in operation. I think they were accurate there in showing us the additional meaning there. 
to another the interpretation of tongues, but all these worketh that one and the selfsame spirit, dividing to every man severally as he wills. Now, we've talked about um, uh, this list of nine, how that they naturally fall into to three groups of three. One group reveals something, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits bring revelation. One group does something, we call them the power gifts, special faith, working of miracles, and gifts of healings. And then one group says something, or there could be called vocal gifts, prophecy, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. We've talked about the revelation gifts to some degree, and please understand that there's... Uh, the, what we have to say is not the final word on the subject, but it'll get you started for further study if you're interested. So we've talked about the revelation gifts, and we've talked, uh, we began talking about the, the power gifts. We talked about special faith last time we were together. Now I want to talk to you this morning about gifts of healings. Gifts of healings. Now let's define our terms first and foremost. Gifts of healings are the removal by the power of God of sickness and disease from the human body. Now, we, we have to um, add a little bit to that definition because of how people misidentify and misconstrue what these uh, manifestations of the Spirit are. For example, some groups in the body of Christ will say that gifts of healings have been replaced by medical knowledge, that now medical science has developed and improved to such a degree that God heals through medical science. Well, God will certainly help doctors and nurses and so forth, just as he would help anybody in any profession. He would give them wisdom beyond their natural knowledge if they sought him for it, just as he would anyone in any other type of profession. But these gifts of healings are without and apart from any natural means. If you think of how God made the human body, he made it to repair itself. Well, medical science just works in, a, in conjunction with that natural healing process that's built into the human body. But having a tumor cut out of your body is not healing from God. Don't get me wrong. We're on doctors' sides. I thank God for keeping the church alive until they can learn to believe God for healing. And thank God for Christian doctors that realize that they're working in conjunction with in cooperation with God to do his will and his work in the body. But healing that comes through medical science is not healing from God. There are certain things that, that really aggravate me because I, I, I attempt to be a stickler for the word and I'm sure that makes God laugh. Because a lot of times those of us that think we are or attempt to be are missing it in so many ways just because we don't know. But you'll see people that die from sickness and disease and then people will say, well, they're healed now. Well, they received their healing by God taking them to heaven. Well, they don't have a physical body in heaven. So what's healed? They weren't sick in their spirits. Sickness was attached to the physical body. And you'll hear some people say, well, I was healed through medical science. No, you weren't. You may have been helped through medical science. They may have removed something that was causing a problem, but that's not healing. Well, what would you call it? I don't know. But you can't call it healing in the same category, in the same sense that the Bible talks about healing. The healing power of God is without any natural means or aid from any human capacity whatsoever. I think it's interesting that this, this end time, day that we live in, there's such an emphasis on health care. And, of course, it's all about the government and what the government's going to do for you or must do for you or whatever. And And I don't know, maybe I'm... Maybe I'm a little different. I know I'm a lot different. But the idea that people are sitting around stressing out because they may or may not have health insurance, I, I can't relate to that. 
I wonder with the healthcare system changing and in some ways collapsing around us now that the government's decided to take care of us. I wonder if some of that is not going to bring us back to the place where we have to trust God. See, you talk to people, old timers, hear some of Brother Hagin's stories about how when people were sick, they were mostly sick in their homes. There was a greater opportunity to minister to people when they were sick in their homes. It's tough to minister to somebody in the hospital room because the atmosphere and everything about the hospital system and set up, whereas I'm not questioning anybody's motives, I'm sure it's set up with the intent of being the greatest help and aid to people as possible. But it sure isn't much of a spiritual atmosphere to minister healing. There have been some people I've had to pray that they'd get out of the hospital so you could minister to them. I wonder what it's going to be like as the world continues to slide downhill, as the Bible says that it will. I wonder if that'll get us back to the place where we have to trust God. I sure hope so. I do know this. I know that the end time talks about the power of God being shown and manifest in such a way that people will know. That's not medical science. Anyway, gifts of healings is the removal of sickness and disease from the human body without any natural or human means, but instead by the power of God. Now, gifts of healings are... are, um, well, there's an element of mystery to all these these manifestations of the Spirit, and, and rightly so. Because if we understood everything, and if we were able to pigeonhole everything just exactly, then we, it would lose the supernatural element. So there's some parts of gifts of healing that are still a mystery to us. We know certain things, but we don't know everything. Now turn back with me to Acts chapter 8, if you will. And let's look at an example of, of gifts of healings in operation. You could well understand that there would be opportunities or occasions where the working of miracles would be in operation that would affect a healing and a cure as well. In other words, there, every time someone is healed, it doesn't necessarily mean it was a gift of healing in operation. Some people will even say, some people in the body of Christ will say that, that every time that you receive healing from God, it's a gift of healing. It's a manifestation of the Spirit. But that can't be right. Because at the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we may get back over there and look at it a little bit later in the service. But the end of uh, chapter 12, it says, uh, do all have the gifts of healings? Implying some in the body of Christ are set in place with the ministry of healing. But that's what he's talking about. Do all have the ministry of healing? Well, if every healing that was received from God is a gift of healing, a manifestation of the spirit that's called gift of healing, then that would mean that everybody has it. Because healing is available to everybody through faith. James 5 says, is any sick among you, talking about it within the church, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over them, anointing with oil in the name of the Lord and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. He didn't say in the manifestation of the spirit will occur. So healing is available to everybody in the church apart from the manifestation of the spirit. Now, in one sense, everything that we receive, we receive from God is a gift. But that's not gifts of healings in operation. Now in Acts chapter 8, notice it says in verse 5, And Philip went down to Samaria and preached the gospel, preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. And notice it calls them miracles. Now here's one thing that makes it a little bit difficult for us to, um, to identify certain manifestations of the Spirit is that sometimes the Bible speaks of something in a general way and other times it speaks of it in a specific way. 
Well, what were these miracles that he did? The miraculous certainly took place. Notice what it says in verse 7. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many of them that were possessed with them. Many that were possessed with them. And many taken with palsies and that were lame were healed. And there was great joy in the city. So I guess the things that they heard, notice they heard and saw. I guess the things that they heard were these evil spirits crying and tearing the people as they left them. And the things that they saw were these people with palsies. Notice it says many take with palsies. Doesn't say any lepers were cleansed. Doesn't say any blind eyes were opened. But the Bible identifies specifically the Holy Ghost draws attention to the fact that many, not all, but many that were taken with palsies and that were lame were healed. In other words, there seems to be one category of healings that took place in Philip's ministry in Samaria. Now, why didn't it say that he just ministered healing to everybody and, there, and, and lots of people got healed? It's got to be showing us something for a reason. Now, some people in the body of Christ will say that uh, healings is just a side issue. One guy was quoted as saying, you know, uh, healing was just a side issue with Jesus and Jesus' ministry. Well, I want you to notice something about Philip's ministry. Philip got a whole city turned around to God preaching on a side issue. Notice it said the whole city responded with great joy. Now, how did Philip get these results? Look over in verse 12, I believe it is. But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Now, notice it doesn't say anything specifically about preaching healing. It seems that there are those in the body of Christ, and remember this same Philip is called in Acts chapter 20, Philip the Evangelist. This is the only example, the only New Testament example we have of an evangelist ministry. Now, you can decide for yourself why God didn't give us three or four examples so that we could put them together and figure out what an evangelist is supposed to be. Or we can assume that the Holy Ghost gave us a great example of an evangelist, so this is the way all evangelists should operate. You decide for yourself. See, what the modern-day body of Christ calls an evangelist in most cases are just exhorters. Because in the only case, the only example that we've got of a New Testament evangelist, there are miracles and gifts of healings at work. And it's the healings that cause the city to turn around. Brother Hagin was talking uh, one time about uh, telling a story once about a uh, convention that he went to. Um, I'm not sure what year it was, but it had to be in the late 50s, I guess, mid to late 50s. And um, there was a certain minister that was, uh, a group of ministers were sitting and talking, some of them very well known. F.F. Bosworth was still alive. And um, he's the author of the book, Christ the Healer. If you don't have the book, Christ the Healer, every, every person needs to have that book in his library. It's just an awesome awesome work and somebody asked uh, brother bosworth they had seen um or heard of i should say an account of something that took place in one of his meetings of some deaf people that had been healed and so they asked him about it in this group of ministers and he said yeah he said it was a, a real unusual thing he said um we were ministering and the Lord moved in a special way, and there was a, a deaf school that had 19 mostly young people that had come down to the meeting from a certain near, well, I say nearby town, some town within driving distance. And so they all came together, and all 19 of them came to be ministered to for healing. Now, some of them didn't have eardrums. Some of them have different situations. And all 19, as fast as you can snap your finger, 
were healed when he laid hands on them. Well, they got to talking, the group of ministers got to talking. Brother Bosworth said that's the, uh, that's the most instantaneous healings, largest group of instantaneous healings that he'd ever experienced. Now, if you, if you get the book Christ the Healer, you'll see a lot of pictures in there of these huge, huge meetings, especially for his day, where people would come and pack out these convention centers and convention halls and so forth. And there were over a million documented testimonies of healings that took place as a result of the meetings, just the the public meetings that he held over a period of, well, I guess it'd be about 15 years. But most of those people were healed through the teaching of the word of God. And Brother Bosworth, when he was asked about this in this group of ministers, somebody said something to the effect of, you know, I don't think I've ever had a deaf person healed in my ministry. And Brother Bosworth said, well, those are the only ones I'll ever pray for. He said, everybody I lay hands on that's got anything wrong with their ears are healed almost instantly, almost in every case instantly. He said, I won't pray for anybody else. Well, he knew and recognized that he had something extra or special in that that specific area of ministering. Somebody else spoke up and said, well, I don't know if I've ever had anybody deaf healed, but almost everybody I lay hands on that's blind or have anything wrong with their eyes gets healed. And they start going around the group and somebody, you know, one person after another would speak up and say, well, I get people with foot problems healed. I get people with problems with backs healed. And so they realized, just through experience, comparing notes, that many of them in the group had some special area of healing ministry or special area of anointing concerning the human body. We see the same thing taking place in in the scripture. Turn with me over to Acts chapter 3. Peter had a gift of healing. In Acts chapter 3, the man at the beautiful gate. Now, before you get upset and say, well, now, wait a minute, Pastor Mike, you used that story when you were talking about the gift of faith, special faith. There's no question that God used Peter in special faith. You can't raise the dead as he did in Acts chapter 9. Raise Dorcas from the dead. You can't do that without special faith. But I want you to notice something about the way that God used Peter. Here's the man at the beautiful gate. Verse 2. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried when they lay daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple asked an alms. And Peter fastening his eyes upon him with John said, look on us. And he gave heed unto them expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Well, the man's healed. He took him by the right hand, lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. Now, Peter talks about when he's called before the, the council and the people want to know what's going on. Peter says that it was faith in the name of Jesus, the faith which is by him. That says to me that he recognized that there was a special measure of faith or a special anointing of faith, a manifestation of the Spirit in the area of faith that goes beyond the ordinary. But notice it was a man that was lame. Look with me over to Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5 verse 12. This is after they're threatened not to preach or teach anymore in the name of Jesus, but they go on and do it anyway. Acts chapter 5, verse 12, And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among all the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And of the rest dared no man join himself to them, but the people magnified them. And believers were the more added to the Lord multitudes, both of men and women. Now notice verse 15. Insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches, that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. 
Notice the specific mention of the lame, those that are on beds and couches. Look with me over to Acts chapter 9. Verse 32, and it says, And it came to pass, as Peter passed throughout all quarters, he came down also to the saints which dwelt at Lydda. And there he found a certain man named Aeneas, which had kept his bed eight years and was sick of the palsy. And Peter said unto him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ maketh thee whole. Arise and make thy bed. And he arose immediately. Peter seems to have something extra, at least as identified by the scripture, that it's possible that there are other, uh, other healings and other occurrences of healings healing events that took place in Peter's ministry that we don't have record of. But the ones that the Holy Ghost does give us record of have primarily to do with people that are lame and have something wrong with their their legs. Now notice that this is something that God sets in the church. Turn back with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I should have pointed this out before we left there, but we'll go back and pick it up. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. First part of the chapter talks about the manifestation of the Spirit, but let's pick up in verse 28, I believe it is. I'll get there in a second. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 28, it says, And God has set some in the church. God has set some in the church. Not everybody is set in these ways, but some has been set in the church by the Father God himself. God has set some in the church, first apostles. Now, what's an apostle? That's a ministry gift. An apostle means a sent one. First apostles, secondarily prophets. We know what a prophet is. Prophets is a ministry gift. Thirdly, teachers. Well, that's part of the, the ministry gifts that are listed over in First Corinthians, over in Ephesians chapter four, where it says, "And, and Jesus gave some, gave gifts to the church. He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers." So Paul gives us a list of five ministry offices that Jesus gave to the church. Well, this is the same, got to be the same thing in just using other terms where it says God set some in the church. So you've got three mentioned right off the bat that are listed in, first, in uh, Ephesians 4.11. Apostles, prophets, and teachers. The only two that are missing are pastors and evangelists. So they've got to be on this list too if God set them in the church. Notice what it says, and God set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers. After that, miracles, then gifts of healings. I see the evangelist there. At least if Acts 8 is a good indication. Philip the evangelist had healings and miracles. After that, miracles. Then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Now, governments has got to be the pastor's office. But notice that he says that gifts of healings have been set in the church, and he identifies that rather than the evangelist. Why is that? Because there are some that are going to be endowed or used by the Holy Ghost with a ministry of healing, that may not stand in the ministry office. That'd be the only reason why the Holy Ghost would use these different terms at the end of chapter 12, rather than reiterating the same list that Paul gives the Ephesians in Ephesians 4.11. I believe that God has given gifts of healings, has set in the church gifts of healings with a lot of people that don't have a ministry office or a ministry call in their life just to show his goodness and his mercy to heal the sick. I also believe that many of those gifts of healings lie dormant because laymen won't go out and act on the word and, and try to help people. Now, whether it's fear of rejection or what if it doesn't work or whatever, everybody faces those thoughts of the devil that come. 
But gifts of healings are set in the church. Now you can well understand how gifts of healings would be identified and associated with the evangelist ministry much more so than the pastor's ministry. Because the pastor primarily is ministering to the flock, to believers. But the evangelist is ministering to people that are unsaved. People that haven't been reached with the good news of Jesus. And did you notice that they believed the preaching of Philip when they heard and saw the miracles which he did? Another interesting thought is that the Old Testament talks a lot more about miracles apart from healing than the New Testament does. Let me say it in a different way. The Old Testament emphasizes miracles that are not healing related for the most part. Now there are a few exceptions. The healing of um, Naaman the Syrian is a good example. But most of the, the miracles that take place in the Old Testament are not healing miracles. The New Testament is just the opposite. Most of the miracles that take place in the New Testament are healing miracles rather than those that are apart from healing miracles. It's as if God is emphasizing healing and his compassion to heal in the New Testament through the body of Christ much more so than he did through the prophets of old. I know that uh, that working with Brother Hagin showed me that there were varying degrees of results that you could get with people, at least in the meetings that we held. If somebody came to, to be ministered to with a, um, a tumor or a growth of some type or a, he- a hernia or a rupture of some type, those people would experience a greater anointing to be healed than even the, the normal healing anointing that Brother Hagen ministered with. We were in Detroit in uh, 1981 and there was a lady that came up to the front we didn't know about this uh, until after the fact but there's a lady that came up to the front she was wearing one of these I don't know what they're called but I uh, to describe it I, I just have to use the term moo-moo dress you know what I mean those big tent type things I, I'm sorry I'm not trying to offend anybody I'm not, I'm not looking at anything I'm just trying to make a description here so you get the picture. This woman was big. I mean, she was tall anyway, but she was big. We found out later that that, uh, she was 72 inches in the waist. Well, the reason she was is she had a 28-pound tumor. 28-pound tumor. That's quite large, you could well understand. Well, Brother Hagen was ministering. Just going down the line. He didn't stop. He didn't minister her to her in a special way. But he had something extra in the area of tumors and growths as a gift of healing that was upon him. Now, let me stop and say this before I finish the story. There was never a time where Jesus spoke to him and said, I'm giving you a gift of healing concerning tumors and growths. When Jesus appeared to him and told him about the healing anointing, put the finger of his right hand in the palm of Brother Hagin's hands. There was never any mention made of a gift of healing. There was never any anything that the Lord ever said to him or witnessed to him about this. He just found out through experience, which I believe is the way we're supposed to find out. That's why I said what I did before about I believe there are a lot of gifts or manifestations of the Spirit that are going unused and lie dormant in the body of Christ. Because nobody's doing the work of the the church to go out and lay hands on the sick. And I realize it's a difficult situation. Times have changed and so forth. But that doesn't excuse us from obeying what the Bible says. But over years of laying hands on people and getting testimonies and hearing results and so forth, Brother Hagin realized that people with growths and tumors got greater results than maybe somebody with something other, some other type of condition. So this woman had a 72-inch waist, 28-pound tumor. He laid hands on her. He wasn't aware of anything extra, any special anointing with her. He didn't stop. He didn't minister to her in some special way. He laid hands on her. She fell under the power of God, laid on the floor for a few moments. When she got up, 
Less than a minute later, she was 32 inches around in the waist. We found out later, they contacted the ministry. She and her husband had come to the meeting. They were Roman Catholics. They were saved, but knew nothing about the power of the Holy Ghost or healing power or whatever. They had just heard somebody say something about this meeting and the people were being healed and so forth, so they came. Afterwards, they got filled with the Holy Ghost and started attending a full gospel church. And to my knowledge, they're still there in the church. Well, the, the doctor was very perplexed about this. He had plans to remove the tumor and so forth. It wasn't life-threatening, so it wasn't a, a you know, real rush, got to do something about it today type thing. Of course, if I had a 28-pound tumor, I'd want something done about it today. <laughs> I don't know about you. But anyway, she got up from the floor, and she started wondering, you know, gathering up her dress. Now this thing really is a tent. She starts gathering up her dress and starts asking the people around her, well, where did it go? People are saying, where did what go? This thing that was in my stomach, where did it go? Well, it created quite a stir. Well, where did it go? Just dematerialized. There were other situations, many other stories I could tell you of people in situations like that. And as I said, Brother Hagin was not conscious. He didn't even know what the woman's condition was. And there would be people with growths and tumors and hernias and ruptures and so forth that would write into the ministry or let us know later on in the meeting or whatever about something that had happened to them. And we'd tell Brother Hagin about it and he'd just nod and say, yeah, well, seems like we've got something extra in that area. But it wasn't something that he was conscious of. It wasn't something that he was aware that there was a greater anointing for. Now, gifts of healings also work oftentimes in conjunction with revelation gifts. For example, you may have seen some somebody that's used in the, in the way of calling out someone with a specific condition. A word of knowledge will come that there's somebody here with a certain type of condition, maybe a problem with their legs or with their eyes or whatever and then minister healing well let me ask you a question how does the knowledge that somebody is there with a condition bring healing to the sick it has to be another manifestation of the spirit in conjunction with it to make it work can you see that one of the greatest examples of this that i ever witnessed i saw on videotape there's not much out there but it was the way that God used William Branham. Now, William Branham got off at the end of his life and got into false doctrine and so forth. And, and uh, the followers of William Branham today, there are still some out there. They are a weird group. So I always want to put a disclaimer when I use his name. But there was a time when he was as right on, well, as Brother Hagin said, talking about him, to me privately he said I've never seen someone that was so accurate in the spirit of God as William Brown of course that was before he got off track and so forth but the videotape that I saw and and from what I understand it was a typical way that would would work brother Brown would just preach a simple message about Jesus he was a real simple guy he was just a farmer hunting fishing type of guy not a what you would call a brainiac, somebody that came across as real intelligent. I'm trying to be kind, but I want to let you know that he was just a simple guy that God picked out. And so he preached a simple message. That's all he had was simple messages. Thank God for simple messages. Wish I could be more simple. But I'm too smart. I say that as a fault, not as a... Anyway. Brandon would just uh, just preach a simple message and then, and then he'd just say, well, okay, we need to, it's time to minister to people. 
He'd bring people up on the platform and uh, primarily so that everybody could see what was going to happen. He brought people up on the platform and he would stand there and he'd say, Now, sister, do I know you? She'd say, No. Have I ever met you before? No. Has anybody talked to you here at the meeting to find out anything about you? No. See, people do this kind of stuff, and so he had to go out of his way to make sure that people had the chance to see that it was the real thing. And he'd stand there, and he'd fumble around, and he'd ask, you know, some simple questions. Do you know Jesus? Are you born again? That kind of stuff. And, and you could see he was stalling for time. He's not trying to find out anything. He's stalling. And it, it, it seems to me, this is my interpretation of it. You judge it for whatever you think it's worth. But it seemed to me that since it would happen night after night after night the same way, it was almost like God was putting on display, this guy can't do nothing without me. I know that's not good English, but you get the point. And so he'd stumble around, and all of a sudden, he'd straighten up. He'd tell this woman something about her life. You live at such and such a place in such and such a town. He'd give her specific details that nobody could know unless they'd pumped her for information, which is the reason why he'd ask ahead of time, does anybody talk to you? Because he didn't know what he was going to tell her, but it would always be specific information about their lives. He'd wind up telling her that she'd been to the doctor, this video that I saw. You went to the doctor two days ago and he told you you had cancer. He wants you to come back for some additional tests. And he said if it is what he thinks it is, he's going to have to remove the the cancerous part of your body. She's nodding. She starts crying. he, He says, he asked her, what are you crying about? She said, I haven't told anybody. I haven't even told my husband. I was too afraid to tell my husband. Well, he told her a couple more things and said, well, go your way. Be healed. Now, what does knowing, I mean, you certainly see the supernatural aspect of the revelation for him to be able to know something she hadn't even told her husband. But how does that bring healing to the body? It's got to be another manifestation of the spirit involved. You see this oftentimes with people that are used in similar ways. You see gifts of healings operate with manifestations of revelation. Now, his description of it, he, was, he said of this the way that God used him. He said, it's the strangest thing. He said, it's like I'm standing before a wall, just a blank wall, and I can't see or know anything. He said, and all of a sudden... It's like something lifts me up to where I can see over the wall. And when I can see over the wall, I can tell them who they are, where they're from, details about their life, and see the work that God wants to do to heal the bodies. Now, there are other ways. That was the way that God used him as uh, a normal occurrence I hate to use the word normal but you know what I mean typically that's the way God used him typically God used Brother Hagen in gifts of healings where tumors and growths and so forth were concerned but there are other ways that the Holy Ghost will manifest himself that are not an all the time type of thing but a once an occasional a one time or an occasional manifestation for example, and I've got to use Brother Hagen for an example on this one too. I don't have a whole lot of experience with gifts of healing, personal experience. I've seen them, but it's not something that God seems to use me in. And you can well understand why. Because gifts of healings are given not to the church to heal herself with, but for the church to reach the world with. Brother Hagen told of a, a time where the Lord spoke to him and said, tell everybody, now this is a combination of the word of wisdom and gifts of healings both. He said, tell everybody with anything wrong with their legs, hips or legs, anything that's wrong with them from waist down to come down to the front. So he did. There were 13 people that came. 
12 of the people, the first 12 he laid hands on, were instantly healed. People that had never walked before, people that had to be carried down there. Serious, lifelong situations. The 13th one did not receive. In, in each case, for the first 12, Brother Hagin would lay hands on them and said, The Lord tell you, said to you, for you to run down the aisle. But when they began to run, the first guy he laid hands on was crippled, had to be carried down there. Well, I'm sorry, he wasn't crippled, but he, was, he had to shuffle. He couldn't, couldn't move very well. All he could do is kind of shuffle his feet like this. And the Lord told him, Brother Hagin said, to tell each one of them to run. Well, as he told the first guy, this little guy, he said, Brother Hagin describing the story, said it seemed like it took him forever to get there because all he can do is shuffle his way down, you know. He said, as soon as I told that, that man, the Lord said to tell you to run, he said he didn't hesitate. He didn't waver. He turned around and started shuffling as fast as he could. Before he got to the end of the aisle, he was running just as good as you or I could. Same thing happened with the first 12. 11 more of them. Whatever their condition was, some of it was serious, some of it wasn't so serious, but each one of them, as they began to run, they were loose from whatever it was and began or received their healing, total freedom. The, 12th, uh, the 13th person was a lady. Brother Hagin told her the same thing. She said, well, I can't run. He said, well, why can't you run? She said, I've got arthritis. And he said, well, you saw that little man that shuffled down here. He was, that's worse, worse than arthritis. You saw these others. They couldn't do it any more than you can do it physically or naturally. But when they began to do it, they received their healing. But she wouldn't have it. She said, well, I just know I can't. So she turned around and went back to her seat and missed out on what God had for her. So even when there's gifts of healing in operation, it takes faith to receive. Obviously. Thank God that Jesus is still in the work in the church. Thank God the Holy Ghost still manifests himself. Now how does that apply to us? Well, I believe that in the days we're coming into, more and more as people come in from outside, as I said, God didn't set healings and miracles in the church, gifts of healings and working of miracles in the church for the church to heal herself with. God expects his children to believe. Amen? But as more and more people come from the outside that don't know about these things, it creates a situation for the Holy Ghost to manifest himself, to show them, to show them. I'll refer to you again. In Acts chapter 8, it says, they believed Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. God still wants to demonstrate his power and his compassion to people. He still wants to show the unsaved and the unlearned his goodness and his mercy. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Well, that would include us, wouldn't it? That includes you, wouldn't it? Folks, we're coming into a day. I'm not talking about two years from now. I'm not talking about five years from now. I'm talking about now. We're coming into a day when God will show himself to be the creator of the universe. And all the stuff that's going on around us in society, all this transgender idiocy, bathroom issues, all this craziness that's going on, the violence is breaking out over politics, and it'll get worse and worse.
These are just seeds for the Holy Ghost to show himself strong. This is just the arrangement of circumstance for God to prove himself to be who the Bible says he is. If he can find people he can cooperate with or that will cooperate with him. That's going to have to be you and me. Because there's a large part of the church that believes this stuff's been done away with. Well, how's God going to work in those churches? How's God going to work among those people? There's some waking up that's going to take place. But for those of us that are already awake, we just simply need to be sensitive and obedient. We don't have to talk God into proving himself to be alive. He wants to do that. He's given the Holy Ghost, a person of the Godhead, a specific assignment to show that he's alive and that Jesus is risen. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. I think, and again, this is my opinion, you judge it for whatever you believe it's worth. I think the church has played with these things to the point where we've spoken in tongues and prophesied to one another, told ourselves how much God loves us, and we've watered down the manifestation of the Spirit to such a degree that we don't really expect Him to do anything. I mean, we know the stories are true. We know the Scripture is accurate. We know that the things that really happened or the things that are recorded in the Bible really happened. But do we really expect Him to do anything today? I, uh, Beth was listening to something on her iPad that I heard. It was Reinhard Bonnke's doing some preaching at a certain church or convention or whatever. And he said something that really grabbed my attention. He said, I don't like to go to churches. Well, he's an evangelist. You could well understand why he wouldn't like to go to churches. But he said this. He said, I don't like to go to churches, particularly churches in America. Because I don't enjoy. He said, God sends me there sometimes. But he said, I don't enjoy trying to wake up sleeping Christians. You know, you can get yourself in a lot of trouble trying to wake somebody up. Because if you don't do it just right, they'll be mad and grumpy at you all day long. And sometimes what they say is the way that they want you to do it. You do it that way and they're still not happy. Spiritually, it's the same way. So I'm not sure what it's going to take, honestly. But I do believe that God's going to awaken the church. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Let's lift our hands and thank the Lord. Oh, Father, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that's at work in the church. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for for your willingness to manifest yourself. 
we have no right to ask you to manifest yourself as we see fit. But we do have a right to ask you to manifest yourself as you will. We don't have a right to ask you to manifest yourself so that we'll believe apart from the word or without the word. For we choose to believe simply because your word says so. But Holy Spirit, I know there's a greater work that you want to do. Not to tickle our fancy. but to reach people that are hurting. So Holy Spirit, we make ourselves available to you, not just in church services, but in our lives. Reveal what we need to know. Give us inspiration to speak those things which we need to say. Impress upon us to do that which you desire to be done. We choose to awaken ourselves, to set our own spiritual alarms, and with the things that we see going on around us. That alarm is ringing. Manifest yourself, Holy Spirit. Not so that we can make a name for ourselves. But to exalt the name of Jesus. We earnestly ask you. To find us faithful to be used. We don't have to talk you into doing what God wants done. But show us, Lord, what adjustments we need to make, if any, that you may find us faithful. We're willing vessels. And by the work of Jesus, the blood of Jesus shed for worthy vessels. We love you, Lord. We want your will. Let us be more than just a body of believers who feed ourselves on your word. Let us be a family that reaches others. Not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. We yield ourselves to you, Lord. In Jesus' precious name. We're coming into a day where the miraculous will be commonplace. We're coming into a day not where our services will be filled with miracles, 
but where people will be bringing testimonies of the miraculous with them to church. That's the day I'm looking for. I'm not looking for God to use me. He will however he chooses. I'm looking for him to use you. I'm looking for you to be bringing somebody to church with you saying, Pastor Mike, we prayed for this person's healing and they were healed. So they wanted to come to church today. That's what I'm looking for. There's a lot of people that will never come in these doors on their own because they know who we are. But there's a whole world out there that will come with you when they see God use you. We're coming into a day where the miraculous will be commonplace. Why don't you stand together with us? Hallelujah. Let's thank the Lord one more time. Lord, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy. We thank you for Holy Spirit for using us. We thank you for manifesting yourself. We thank you for strengthening us. We thank you for opportunities to be doers of your word, to reach others with the goodness and the power of God. In Jesus' name. If you can agree with that, say amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. Thank you for being with us.